Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I am Rebecca Ibarra. It's Friday, April 15th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. The family of Patrick Leoya want the officer who shot their son identified and charged. An officer in Grand Rapids, Michigan, shot Leoya in the head following an altercation that ensued from a traffic stop. Here's civil rights attorney Ben Crump. You see a police officer escalate a minor traffic stop into a deadly execution. Leoya's family, who came to the U.S. to escape war in Congo, spoke publicly Thursday. The prosecutor on the case says it'll take some time to decide whether charges are warranted. Elon Musk wants to buy Twitter for $43 billion, but multiple sources say Twitter's board of directors is not on board. It's reportedly considering what's called a poison pill strategy to avoid a hostile takeover. Also called a shareholder rights plan, a poison pill basically dilutes a potential buyer's stake by creating more shares in the market, which would weaken Musk's hand as a major shareholder. Russia's flagship in the Black Sea, the Moskva, or Moscow in Russian, has sunk. Russia claims the missile cruiser suffered an accident with its ammunition, but Ukraine says it hit the ship with two Neptune missiles. If confirmed, it will be another blow to Russia's war effort and morale. The European Union may soon debate a major escalation of its sanctions against Russia, a ban on oil imports. Such a move could bring real economic pain to Europe, which depends on crude from Moscow. And a ban might bring political upheaval if it leads to big price hikes. The New York Times reports EU leaders would almost certainly hold off on an oil embargo until after France's presidential runoff election on April 24th, so as to not help right-wing populist candidate Marine Le Pen. The FDA has approved the first COVID-19 breath test. The device, which is about the size of a carry-on suitcase, can give results in about three minutes, and studies show it's effective. That's particularly good news as cases are surging in the Northeast, where notables from Nancy Pelosi to Sarah Jessica Parker have recently tested positive. It's unclear whether we're seeing the start of another surge. Experts are hopeful increased immunity from prior waves, plus more widespread treatments will be enough to lessen its impact. Hockey's not exactly a gentle sport, but there are some lines even pro athletes aren't supposed to cross. So when the Minnesota Wilds' Ryan Hartman flipped off Evander Kane in a matchup against the Oilers, the NHL fined him more than four grand. Wild fans were not having it, though. Hartman's personal Venmo account went viral on Twitter, and an overnight middle finger fund wound up sending the superstar enough money to cover the penalty and then some. R.I.P. Hartman's phone. I got three messages for everyone. Venmo, yeah. yeah. So I had to turn some notifications off. And yeah, he's donating the money to charity. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at the refresh at insider.com. Coming up, we talk about the difficult juggling act of being a working parent during the pandemic and some tips to help those parents out there manage it all. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. 
A federal judge has ordered the sole suspect in Tuesday's New York City subway shooting to remain in jail ahead of trial. 62-year-old Frank James was also ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. James has been charged with a single count of committing a terrorist act or other violent attack against a mass transit system. That's a felony and, if convicted, could carry a life sentence. The Republican National Committee announced it's pulling out of the bipartisan commission that organizes presidential debates. The GOP has complained that the Commission on Presidential Debates favors Democrats, although a Republican member of the group publicly said that the accusations are not true and undermine trust in the democratic process. The RNC says debates will still happen, but it's unclear how they'd be organized or what they'll look like. The White House announced an ambitious equity initiative, which it says could transform the federal government. It's the result of an executive order early in Joe Biden's presidency, one that mandated over 90 federal agencies to figure out plans to level the playing field for marginalized communities. This includes the DOJ beefing up its non-English language services and better rural broadband access for the Department of Commerce. But critics worry that progress could be short term compared to actual legislation because a new administration could just easily undo these orders. New York's public libraries are clapping back at states trying to ban books like the 1619 Project or Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. The city's branches will give out free library cards to young people anywhere in the U.S., giving them access to hundreds of thousands of digital and audiobooks. It's part of their campaign to promote the free exchange of thoughts and ideas. When you look up at the night sky this weekend, you'll see April's pink moon. It'll be full and it'll be beautiful, but it won't actually be pink. Native Americans initially named it that because they associated it with the blooming of a pink wildflower. For them, this full moon marked the end of winter and the start of renewed growth. VP Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug Emhoff, are hosting a Passover Seder later today. CNN reports they'll become the very first second family, at least that we know about, to host a Seder at the VP's residence. The White House says they'll be joined by Jewish staff members and loved ones. Since the start of the pandemic, rates of anxiety, depression, and loneliness are skyrocketing, especially among young people. This mental health crisis is taking a toll on working parents who have to split their time between meetings and worrying about their children's mental well-being. Insider's Rebecca Knight has two children, they're 14 and 11, and she reached a breaking point recently. So I knew that I had a a meeting, but I also had a parent-teacher conference about some, some stuff that was going on in my daughter's classroom that I was a little concerned about. And so I had the meeting with her teachers, which was emotional. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 got, I got emotional. And then I had to go immediately into a meeting with my team and talk about goals for the quarter. And, and it was a, it, I was distraught. I was, it, this is an experience that I think a lot of working parents are having right now because they are trying to fit a lot, of, a lot into their work days, as you always are. But there's also a lot of mental health challenges going on with kids. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I obviously can't identify, unfortunately, because I'm not a parent yet. But what is it like to be a working parent right now? Two years into this wrenching pandemic, and we know, I think a a task force just came out recently saying that kids eight years old, every single kid eight years old, should be screened for anxiety because we know the mental health challenges that kids lost so much when schools were shut. They lost a lot of opportunities to socialize with their peers. They lost 
face-to-face uh, -face interaction with teachers. And so we are really consumed with their well-being and, and are, are they okay? And this is a question we find ourselves asking all the time, including when we're in the middle of our workday and we should be in a Zoom meeting. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a working parent, obviously juggling is nothing new for you, but what is so different about now? I've often reflected on this thinking to myself, is it harder to be a working parent today than it was for my parents' generation? Mm -hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that yes, it is harder. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Number one, we didn't have social media when we were kids. So there's that element that we have that's sort of adding to our worries and concerns about their development. And then our work lives are just so much more intense. All of us carry around these little machines in the form of our smartphones that are filling our inboxes and our Slack channels with things we should be doing and thinking about for work. Um, and, and so it's just, it's really hard to shut off. Yeah. And it, it seems it's a very difficult to win sort of scenario. What can employers do to help? I mean, as you said yourself, you're not a parent, but this pandemic has affected you. It's affected all of us. Employers need to understand on a human dimension, people are still struggling. The pandemic is not over. And so acknowledging that it's happening, trying, having individual managers say to their employees, but in particular, their working parents who have to have a lot of caregiving responsibilities, hey, Maybe you're going through something. Uh, let me know if I can help. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I like that it's even just as simple as just checking in and saying, is there anything I can do? Just from a very basic level. But, you know, Rebecca, I do consider you an expert in a lot of things. Oh, <laughs> and so, oh please. I mean, you've been, you've been doing this thing for a while, you know, both being a working journalist and being a mother. So what advice do you have for working parents out there when they're having a tough time with their child or with work? How do you handle all of this? This one woman I spoke with, Sarah Peck, she is the founder of Startup Parent, which is a community for women executives. And she talked about the idea of using your calendar blocking and using it as liberally as you can. If you're going to speak to your child's teacher or therapist, give yourself time to regroup, recover, take that time, have a little cry, journal if it helps. This is a lesson that I learned the hard way last week. Uh, in, in trying to do something back to back to back. Mm. And you said I'm an expert, but I've never had a 14-year-old before. This is my first time parenting a 14-year-old. And so I'm a novice at that. Uh, so, so I think that just having a little bit of, don't being so hard on yourself, we're going to get through, but, but it is going to take some time. That's good advice. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Rebecca Knight is a senior correspondent for Insider covering careers and the workplace. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. The Refresh from Insider is produced by Frank Alito, Grace Eliza Goodwin, and us, Dave Smith. And Rebecca Ibarra. Carrie Donahue is our executive producer. Andy Bowers is head of audio at Insider. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Bye.